will transform your skepticism into optimism. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Like for us to sing a song as we have a conversation this morning. Take me past the outer court into the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Take me past the price of peace. Into But it's only found in one place. So take me to the holies of holies. Take me by the blood of the Lamb. Take me to the holies of holies. you have given us in Christ Jesus that you have tore the veil you have given unto us the opportunity to come into the holiest of all this morning we trust in your word that by the entrance of your word you take us into the holiest of all By the precious blood of your only son, Jesus, that was shed at the cross of Calvary, we are entering into the holiest of all. In 2016, we make that place our abode. Where we manifest all that you have for us to manifest here in this part of eternity in the name of Jesus. We are entering into the holiest of all by the precious blood of Jesus where you have the mercy seat. To the praise and to the glory of your holy name, we are coming in in boldness according to your word. And we will find help every day in 2016 in the mighty name of Jesus. We glorify your name, our Lord. Yes, we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's be seated. Good morning and happy 2016 again. Happy new 2016. 
And this is a year which the Lord has declared your success is completed. In the name of Jesus. I'm having this opportunity this morning. I want us to start a conversation that I believe the Holy Spirit will use to help us to ensure that our confidence in that which the Lord is said to do is unwavering. You know, what is very prevalent in, towards the end of the year or towards the end of any year is New Year resolution. Okay, so people do have the New Year resolutions, um, you know, leading up to December the 31st. And uh, most statistics says that New Year resolution lifespan um, oftentimes is between January 1 and January the 15th. <laughs> and so most of those resolutions uh, have been, you know, Forgotten or they have disappeared. Amen? And even that, people still do this year in, year out. And so we are found in these going by the motions. Even though we know that it's going nowhere, we still go ahead and make them anyway. So because of these kind of things, we do the same thing. As children of God, um, you know, in our relationship with God, on our day-to-day activities, we do so many things that we do out of routine. We just follow the motions. We do so many prayers that we pray even though we know it will not be answered because we already concluded, I prayed the last year, what happened? So let's just go through the motions. We do that. It is human nature. Amen? But this morning, I'm going to be trusting the Holy Spirit to help us to get us once and for all settled and set in the name of Jesus. We are in our confidence in the Lord and that which God has done for us. There will be no question, regardless of where you are, what you're doing or what you're going through, it will be settled once and for all. And at the end of today, or maybe um, hopefully next Sunday as well, um, God will have touched our heart and set us for life. In the name of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the topic titled, Because of His Great Love. Because of His Great Love. The His is God. So because of God's great, great love, our success is because of his great love. Everything we will accomplish in life is because of his great love. The reason why you slept last night and you are awake this morning is because of his great love. Every promises in the scripture, every plans, every purposes that the Lord has proposed concerning you and I, is not because of you. It is because of his great love. And why is this critical? The moment that can settle in in your heart, you will no longer have any room for doubt. 
concerning what God said he will do or what God has in plan or has in purpose. Because it is not about you. He didn't say he will do what he will do because of you. He never made one promise for us because of us. Every single promises or promise that is in the Bible, God made because of his love. He said concerning the children of Israel, I chose you not because you are great, not because you are powerful, not because you are mighty, not because you are many. I did that simply because of my love. Amen? So this morning, we want to begin to look at this conversation titled, Because of His Great Love. We've read so many scriptures, we've recited some that pointed to this, but I don't think we've paid attention enough to really ponder over this, just opposing with the, day we, the way we live our lives and things that are actually possible in the human realm to see if we can gain an understanding of what God is saying. But I'm trusting that there will be an epiphany today that will jump at you and your life will never remain the same again. Amen. We know in, in, in John 3, we quote it all the time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't for any other reason. It was simply because of his Love. But it is not just love, but great love. And that's the emphasis this morning. Because of his great love. Say that to your neighbor. You will succeed because of God's great love. You will accomplish. That which God has set forth because of his great love. Amen. Let's look quickly in the book of Ephesians. Let's begin from the book of Ephesians. I'm going to try to see if I can point to us why God's love is great. And when you look at the English dictionary word great, it's almost as if there is nothing, it's second to nothing. Okay? You can look at some of the synonyms of great. What I'm saying is, when the Bible says, because of God's great love, it's not as if there's anything greater. In English, what you could have said, you know, you have great, greater, and greatest. I mean, maybe you could have said the greatest. No. It says great because there's nothing greater. There is nothing greater. Greater love has no one than this. There is nothing greater. And that's why the word great is, will suffice. Amen? So because of his great love, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, let's just look at that quickly as we begin this conversation. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will create an epiphany in everyone's heart. Whether you are hearing now, or hearing audio or visual, wherever you're hearing, that your life will forever be set on this great love. In the name of Jesus. Because once this is established, we are done. We are done. There is absolutely nothing can, that can stop God or stop us 
from accomplishing what God has proposed for us to accomplish. We are the obstacle. We have always been. It is not God. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. I'm actually um, going to spot in on verse 4, but let's look at from verse 1. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, King James Version, wherein in time past you walked according to the cause of this word, according to the prince of the power of the ear, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4. But God, say but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. Put your eyes on us and together. Even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Verse 6. And has raised us up together us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's look at that in message version quickly, if you have it. And let me just point out something before I move forward. In message version, message translation, let's look from verse 4. Oh, no, from verse 1, that's fine. It wasn't so long ago that you were murdered in that old stagnant life. Stagnant life, okay, of sin. You left the word, and this is the key. You left the word which doesn't know the first thing about living. Tell you how to live. You fill your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhale disobedience. And this is the key. Because of our, uh, should I say, I'm trying to find the right word. Because we have not comprehended how great the love of God is. We allow the word which does not know anything about living to dictate to us how to live. Most of our emotions, most of the things we do, they are simply what this society has taught us, what our education handed over to us, what our exposure 
handed over to us. What civilization has taught us. We allow the world that knows nothing about living to dictate to us how to live when the reverse was actually God's plan. Because the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. And we were supposed to dictate the tune to show to the world how to live. Amen? This, to my understanding, to my belief, is because we have not comprehended enough how great, how majestic, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love of God. And today, my prayer is that no one of us will leave this place without that comprehension. In the name of Jesus. You see, the love of God is great, and there is nothing else greater. Nothing else greater. And the reason why the love of God is great is because there are some elements in the love of God that I'm going to point out to us that will let us see or begin to comprehend because I can tell you, according to the scripture, there is no way we will be able to fathom or even comprehend everything written in the word of God. But he said, things that are revealed, they belong to us and to our children's children. The secret things, they belong to him. But I guarantee you that the Lord God Almighty is going to give us an epiphany. The revelation of his word. And I'm going to try to see if I can paint the picture to us. Some of the things that are in the word of God or in the love of God that made it so great that nothing is greater. And these are the things that I think by the time the Holy Spirit is finished with us, we will have zero tolerance for any doubt. We have zero space in our heart left for doubt as touching how much God cares or how much God loves us. And once that is settled, just think about a little baby. Our little AIG. You see, children teach you a lot of things. This girl, just six plus, because of her understanding that is not yet polluted, because of her comprehension that is not yet perverted, of how much her parent cares and loves her. She rides on that to get anything she wants. <laughs> Guarantee you. If this girl wants your attention, she will start screaming. She will use the low volume <laughs> to see if you are paying attention. If you are not paying attention, she will increase the volume a little bit. <laughs> and you'll be yelling, stop, I'm coming, this, blah, 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 okay? If you are still not coming to her, she turn it up. There is just no way you will not give her attention by the time she gets to the highest volume. 
you will leave everything you are doing to attend to her. Why? Because she knew. She knew you cannot ignore her. She knew you can't just continue to do what you're doing without paying attention. Because she knew how much you love her. See, that's the way God designed us. If we knew how much God loves us, if we can comprehend the essence and the greatness of his love towards us, if we have an ounce of understanding of how great the love of God is, you will have no iota of doubt that he cannot ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. That he cannot ever, ever ignore you. That he can never, ever, 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 ever not come to your attention when you need it. And that's why I want God to reveal to us things that are embedded in his love that made it so great. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to Ephesians 2 again. Let's read it maybe slowly this time around from verse number 4. And let's see if we will catch those things. I'm sure you will catch it because the Holy Spirit is already revealing it to you right now. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is rich in mercy, what does it mean to be rich? Let's say if you are rich in dollar in America today, how much do you think that person will be worth if we say this person is rich? At the minimum. Right? That means he has a lot of dollars. When we say someone is rich, okay, it is a lot. You cannot put a number to it. When we say rich, you can't say it's 10, it's 20, it's 30. No. It is a lot. Amen? The Bible says God is rich in mercy. He has a lot of mercy. And that's the reason why his love is great. There are two parts that I want to break it to. I want to show us what are the things in God's love that made it so great. And I want to show us the second part. What does this greatness actually do for us? What does it mean to us? What is the implication of the greatness in the love of God? He said, God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. It is not a doubt. It is not a negotiation. It is a done deal. It is settled forever. The love of God cannot be terminated. It cannot be exhausted. It cannot be exasperated that it will stop. The love of God is forever. It's, it's finished. Gegrapha, gegrapha. What is written is already written. It cannot be annulled. Amen? Amen? But look at 
5. Even when we were dead in sin, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace he is saved, and had raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might shield the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. The love of God is rich in mercy. As opposed to the way the world has painted the wrong picture of judgment. God is rich in mercy. Even though he has judgment, his overwhelming mercy can overrule judgment 100% of the time. Because he is rich in mercy. He is never tired of releasing mercy. Amen? We're not getting it yet. But I'm sure the Holy Spirit will make it clear. The love of God is rich in grace. He is exceeding rich. Riches. How did he put it? Exceeding exceeding riches of his grace. Number two point you want to know as the ingredients in the greatness of the love of God is it is rich in grace. One, it is rich in mercy. It is rich in grace. And the third one, it is rich in kindness. It is rich in kindness. If we can comprehend, if we have the understanding of what this means, our life will forever be set to manifest what it is he has created us for. In the name of Jesus. Let me take it one at a time. I want to, I want to just look at those three. In the second part of the message, we will look at the what the greatness of that love actually do for us or does for us. Amen? The first one says it is rich in mercy. Let's look at that quickly. Exodus, I'm sure um, in this church, Pastor Bang had taught the tabernacle of Moses. And to my understanding, a lot of us are the students of that class. And we have a vivid comprehension of the tabernacle of Moses. And let's look at the book of Exodus 25. Exodus 25. Um, I don't want to lose track of time. Let me see where we can begin. Exodus 25, let's start from, we know how he gave all the instruction on how to make the ark. And from verse 17, I think verse 17 is a good place to start. We want to look at 
how that the love of God is rich in mercy and how that understanding will help us to understand the, deep, the depth, the height, the breadth, the length of the love of God that is great towards us so we can begin to function with that mindset. We can begin to operate with that mindset because as soon as that epiphany hits, and our minds are renewed to this new revelation, the relationship between us and God will be different. The way we go about as children of God will be different. The way we operate will be different. There's going to be a marked significant difference that people will notice, that you yourself you notice and people will notice in our lives in the name of Jesus. Exodus 25 from verse 17. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubim of gold of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end, in the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubim on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. Verse 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above, upon the earth. And in the earth, thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Amen. Let's start there. We've seen the picture of the, of the, um, the ark, I believe. We've shown it several times in this, in this church. And if you have not seen it, just Google it. You'll see a resemblance, something, you know, on the internet. How the ark um, looks like. God asked, he asked the children of Israel to build the ark with acacia wood. And once the ark is built, it's just like a box. Okay? He was giving Moses the direction or directives on how the measurement and everything. But there is the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the covering the lid that was to be used to cover the ark. So envision a box, then a cover, a lid. So this mercy seat is supposed to be what is covering the ark. What is in the ark is the tablet, the instruction. And then the mercy seat is the lid, the cover. And this mercy seat was to be built or constructed with a pure gold. Undiluted, pure good. Okay, and there should be two cherubim on each side of the lead facing each other. And the mercy seat was supposed to be on top of the ark. Okay? The Lord, our God, his love wherewith he loved us is rich in mercy. Back in the days of the ark, it was established. Even though the laws 
and the tablets were inside the ark. The mercy seat was to be on top of it. The mercy seat was placed on top of it. And it was made of pure gold. Undiluted. The gold is not what made it pure. It was just a picture of purity. What made it pure is that the blood of atonement will have to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Not on any part, other part of the ark. The blood of atonement is to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Okay? You getting the picture? I'm trying to paint a picture of the riches of God's mercy right from before the foundation of the earth. The riches of his love in mercy. So, during the era of the law, if you to come to make an atonement, you come with blood, and the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat so that God can release mercy instead of judgment. Because the ark contained laws, rules, guidance, instructions, that when it is broken, there are consequences. So rather than death, the mercy seed produces life. Amen? Because God will rather have mercy than judgment. That is the riches of his love towards us. He didn't want to let us just run and do whatever. There were guys, there were rules. But he placed mercy on top of all of that. That I can always release mercy on your behalf. If you look at the ark and you look at the mercy seat, Constructed with pure gold, undiluted, and it is the blood of atonement. When anyone looks at it, then they are saved. What will you think the mercy seat is in the New Testament? God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he has loved us. The mercy seat. Is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is rich in mercy. Today, how do, you get our, how do we get our atonement? Through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of atonement. The, the, the Greek word for the mercy seed is also the same word with propitiation. The atonement through the blood. Amen? So God is rich in mercy. It has been established from ages, and we'll read one more scriptures, if we can, um, to further illustrate how that the love of God has endless mercy. If I should just put it that way. 
endless mercy. The vilest offender will find mercy in God. Are you getting the picture? The vilest offender will find mercy because of the love of God. Because of how great that love is, the vilest offender will find mercy. Let's look at Esther. Since we are talking about love affair, let's look at Esther. We are God painted this picture for us. The riches of the mercy in his love. It was clearly demonstrated several places in the scripture. Let me just, let's point to Esther 4. Uh, Esther 4. Let's see if we can do. I know we have the story. Um, is, is there anyone who is not familiar with the story of Esther? So we're familiar with the story of Esther. Um, who was married to a king. And at some point, there was a, a man who was trying to destroy he, uh, Esther's kindred, the Jews. And Esther had to intercede. Um, so if you have time, read Esther, uh, Esther chapter 4, beginning from, verse, um, beginning from verse 1. But I think I may have to take it just, just to point to us what I wanted to point to us so we can move forward. Um, because I think I would love to stick over. Uh, so Esther chapter 4, let's look at verse 16. So read from beginning from verse 1. You have all the story to have it in context. But from verse 4, Esther said um, to those who were sent by Mordecai, he said, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Sushan. And fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink. Three days, night or day, I also and my maidens, we fast likewise. And so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is a contest. Mordecai asked Esther to go into the king and... And uh, plead their cause because Haman was about to destroy the Jews. And Esther knew that to just go into the king, the king is her husband, okay? There is love between them. Because out of so many virgins, the Bible said, Esther was preferred. The king chose Esther. Out of love. We're looking at the mercy. How rich in mercy the love of God towards us is. So the love of this king towards Esther was challenged. In that land, it is unlawful, punishable by death. For anyone to walk into the king's court uninvited. And that's what 
Mordecai was asking Esther to do. Unlawful things that can happen when the riches of the mercy in love is available. The unlawful things that we can do in God because of the riches of the mercies in his love. Even though it is unlawful, mercy is always on top of the ark. And we always prevail. Esther walking into a suicide mission, walking to the king's court uninvited, all she needed was to rely on the mercy that is rich in the love of her husband. She knew there is mercy in the love of her husband. She said, I will walk in uninvited to this suicide mission and I will depend on the mercy that is in the love that my husband has towards me. And if I perish, I perish. If mercy fails me, let it be. I will not turn down this opportunity because I know there is riches of mercy in my husband's love. I'm going to depend on that because that's enough for me. That's good enough for me and I can walk on this suicide mission of deliverance. If I perish, I perish. Do you see the radicality of the action we can take when there is understanding of the mercy that is in the love of God towards us? When we comprehend the mercy that is contained in the love of God towards us, there is no suicide mission that will lead to salvation that we cannot walk into. Because we walk in and we said, if I perish, I perish. It's just going to mean that mercy failed. But over the scriptures, we have never seen mercy fail. Because the mercy of God is always on top of judgment. It does not matter what the issue is. Mercy will prevail. It is on top of the covenant act. She walked in. And the king, if you proceed to chapter 5, looked at her. And mercy, the wave of mercy, the rumbling of mercy, began to propel within the king. Even though there is a standing law that says whoever entered uninvited should be killed. Oh, the mercy will have to prevail. Because the riches of my mercy towards Esther, I will lift up the scepter of mercy. <laughs> it would have been wonderful if that is all. That wasn't all. Even though Esther broke protocol, when mercy speaks on your behalf, you don't only get pardon. You get even up to have the kingdom. The king says to Esther, because of the rumbling of the mercy that is in my love towards you, Queen Esther, what is troubling you? What is your trouble? What do you seek? You can get anything up to the half of my kingdom. I think that should excite you about the riches of the mercy 
in God's love. Up to the half of the kingdom. Esther, you just name it. And Esther said, King, what I needed is not near one third of your kingdom. It's just one nuisance that is troubling me and troubling my entire lineage. It is not near your kingdom. I don't need half of the kingdom. I already have it by virtue of marrying you. There's just one nuisance in my sphere of influence. There's one nuisance in my space. I just need that nuisance to go away. That's all I'm asking, king. If the king is willing to give half of the kingdom, do you think, I mean, what do you think of that nuisance? It's a forgotten history. It's history. Our God, who is rich in mercy, who is rich in mercy, for the love wherewith he loved us. It is a design from the beginning. The law was only given to guide us, never to destroy us. God never intended for the law to be our destroyer. No. He was supposed to be our tutor. And that's the reason why he placed the mercy seat on top of the law. Right from the beginning. Why are you looking at the law instead of looking at the mercy seat? The mercy seat is the biggest part of the ark. It is obvious. It is there you can see it. It has two cherubim guiding it. So that as you are approaching, you can easily identify and easily see it. Why is our focus on the law as opposed to the mercy seat? Because we have allowed the word that knew nothing about living to dictate to us how to live. It was clear from the beginning the law was never meant to destroy any man. Mercy seat was already established to be above the law. Right from the beginning. I'll just give you one more scripture because I think my time is up. The riches of the mercy and the love of God. Today, because we allowed the world to dictate to us, we do not comprehend the riches of that mercy. That's why you still see many Christians going about in guilt, bowing their heads. Because we have been conditioned to focus on the law. And when you focus on the law, if you are looking at the ark, you have to do this. Bow your head. If you look at the mercy seat, you do this. The reason why many are bowing their heads is because of the law. The way we have been brought up, the way we have been conditioned, the way we have been taught, we continue to look at the law when the message is actually on top. We bow our head and the condition is supposed to, to lift up our heads. 
Luke. Luke chapter 23. I give you one more and we just pray. You see, the epiphany I'm trusting the Lord to reveal to you today is the unlimitedness of the riches of his mercy in his love towards you. That you will say, no shaking. No shaking. I can depend on the mercies that is in the love that God has towards me. I am not going to be moved. I am not going to be shaken because I know mercy is on top of the ark. And we always, always be there for me. Even when I am the vilest offender, like Saul of Tarsus, mercy can bring me out because mercy prevails over judgment. Have you read that in James? Right from the beginning, it has been established. Mercy prevails over judgment, is the scripture. Luke 23, as we pray. That's the only scripture I'm going to read. We continue from there next week. We finish the remaining two, and we look at what that, that greatness in his love meant for us. But look at another example in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, we remember when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, and there were two thieves that were hanging with him. One on the left, the other on the right. All they have done all their lives was to steal. They've been armed robbers all their lives. And this is the last minute. The clock was tickling. They've already been nailed. It's just a matter of seconds or minutes for them to give up the ghost. They've not attended any Bible study. They've never been to the church. They've never answered any other call. They've done nothing all but evil. They violated the law. From that altar, it was supposed to be straight to hell. That wasn't God's intention. Right from the beginning. But two thieves were hanging on the cross. Only one saw mercy. The other one was looking at the law. The one that recognized mercy and saw mercy knew, Lord, I've messed up. I know I'm wrong. I'm no good. But you are just. You've done nothing wrong. You're not supposed to be on this cross. Remember me when you get to your kingdom. Luke 23, verse 33, or verse 43. Luke 23, verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. The law was never in God's intention supposed to destroy anyone. God intended for us to see the mercy seat. That's why he made it so obvious. It's bigger. It's clear. But we have never comprehended the love that God has towards us on the basis of mercy. 
You can always be on the basis of judgment. And that's why we're always afraid whether what God said he will do, whether he will do it. Because we are no good. You know, within us, we are no good. And we're always looking at the judgment and looking at us and saying, well, I've got no chance. There's no way for me. Look, at, look, I'm a mess. Okay? And look at what the law says. How can I be a success? How can this be? How can that be? Today, I am praying that in the name of God, that God will shut your eyes on yourself and blind you from looking at the law and open your eyes unto the mercy seat. That you begin to see the riches of the mercy in his love. And you begin to operate from that perspective. You begin to walk based on the Father, God, who is rich in mercy. For his great love, wherewith he loved me. He's going to see me through. He's with me. Because mercy will prevail over judgment. Shall we rise? Shall you talk to God? Can you talk to God this morning? Can you talk to God? Because of his great love. Because of his great love. Wherewith he loved us. And God who is rich in mercy. God who is rich in mercy. Because of the great love wherewith he loved us. Will you talk to God based on that this morning? Based on the revelation of his mercy. The mercy contained in his love. Based on the revelation of the greatness of his love. Will you talk to him this morning? Will you talk to him this morning? He is rich in mercy. And he has a great love that is rich in mercy. And this is the love wherewith he has loved you. And with that mercy, we will cross every obstacle and every obstruction. Talk to him this morning. Talk to him for the riches of the mercy in his love to manifest on your behalf.